Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. Hi, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Patricia Atkins. I'm the Senior Application Scientist for SPECS. Today, we're going to be talking about water quality in honor of National Hydration Day, which was yesterday, June 23rd. So we're going to talk about water quality because it's a very important topic. Human beings need anywhere from 9 to 13 cups of water a day. But that doesn't mean you need to go and get a jug and fill it up with water and then chug water all day long. If you think about all of the liquid you consume during your day, that contributes to your overall hydration level. And the human body is over 70% water and your brain itself is over 80% water. So we really need that water to maintain our bodies. Now, a human being can go an entire month without food, but they can only go less than a week without water. That's why water is incredibly important. But that being said, we have a very large water problem around the world. Globally, there are more than uh, 2.2 billion people without safely managed water services. And this is includes people, about 1.4 billion people with only basic services and then they need to travel less than 30 minutes round trip to get water. That means they have to travel anywhere from a few minutes to 15 minutes to go to a water source that is being controlled and monitored and then 15 minutes back. Not 15 seconds, what it takes most of us in the U.S. to go to a tap and, and take water out. And then there's 206 million people with limited water service. That means they spend more than 30 minutes to go each way to go get their water. And that that service might be uh, not as well regulated. Then you have 435 million people taking water from unprotected water sources like wells and springs. And another 144 million uh, people around the world getting their drinking water from untreated surface water, from lakes, from ponds, streams, and rivers. And around the world, at least 2 billion people are using a drinking water source that's contaminated with human waste or animal waste, which can transmit diseases like cholera, dysentery, typhoid, and polio. And there's almost half a million deaths each year just from having uh, improper water sources. By 2025, half of the world's population will be living in areas of the world that are water stressed, meaning that they do not have significant access to clean water. And in developed countries, or least developed countries, only 22% of healthcare facilities have no water service, 21% of them have no sanitation service, and 22% have no waste management services. So we do have quite a problem in the world when it comes to quality water. And you think, okay, well, I'm living in the U.S. I'm really lucky. Well, you should be reminded of 2014 to 2016, the Flint, Michigan water scare. What happened was in 2014, Flint, Michigan was trying to save money. They were getting their water from the Detroit Water and Sewage Service. And they were getting, at that time, water that had less than 2.3 micrograms per liter of lead. So that was very good because the national drinking water standard was 15. So 2.3 was very good. They were getting very good quality water from the DWS. 
But in order to save money, they decided to uh, switch their water source to the Flint River. The Flint River was historically polluted. The residents of Flint knew this was not a clean water source, but they trusted their officials or they didn't know what was going on. And in April 2014, the water was uh, switched to the Flint River. Very quickly, by summer and early fall of 2014 into 2015, the residents started reporting brown water. They started reporting high lead levels when uh, scientists started looking into the water. And in fact, in 2016, Virginia Tech found 40% of the homes in Flint, Michigan had high lead levels at 27 micrograms per liter, which is almost double the lead for, for drinking water allowance. So as I said, the drinking water allowance action level is 15 micrograms per liter. The World Health Organization level is 10. And if you drink bottled water, it's five. So this was a significant finding when they found that the 99th, 90th percentile of Flint was me being measured at 27 micrograms per liter. But they were finding results uh, as high as 158 micrograms per liter. And in one case, one sample was recorded at 13,000 micrograms per liter. To put this in perspective, anything over 5,000 is designated toxic waste by the EPA. So this was a very big problem. And this was a major American area, uh, Michigan. So if you think about, well, this was an isolated inst instance, I would want to really kind of call to attention that less than 10 states out of 50 report routinely safe drinking water levels when it comes to lead. That means over 40 have exceeded state action levels in the, in the last few years. And over 3,000 areas of the United States have levels reported higher than uh, Flint, Michigan, up to two or three times more. And that's routinely reported high. It happened that at the end of the Flint crisis, when, when the, the news was just starting to die down about the water quality in Flint, there was a flare-up of news about Newark, New Jersey, where lead was detected in school taps. And those lead levels were actually close to 600 micrograms per liter, which is about four times higher what they found in Flint. So this was a huge problem because here we had just gotten finished with the Flint, Michigan problem with the drinking water. And now in a school system in Newark, they were reporting 600, uh, about 600 micrograms per liter, which if you think about it, again, we said the safe EPA action level is 15. So this was huge. It was uh, close to, to 50 um, times more than that safe level. It just so happens I am a parent and at the time I had a child in grade school and the grade school sent a report about water for the school and it turns out that in my daughter's classroom there was a uh, faucet that was giving off close to 850 micrograms per liter. So this was uh, <laughs> very alarming. They actually closed down all the drinking fountains and taps in certain areas of the school because of potential lead contamination. So this is not an isolated issue. So people say, well, you know, if we can't trust tap water, maybe we can trust bottled water. As I said, there is some guidelines for bottled water. It's treated like a food item in many ways, and it does have a limit of five ppm or a micrograms per liter for water. But overall, this 
bottled water comes from municipal tap water. These are bottled from different municipal sources. And bottled water is big business in the hundreds of billions of dollars worldwide. So it, it really behooves us to think about bottled water as well as our municipal tap water. And the consumption, the U.S. consumption for bottled water is close to 20 billion gallons. So we, we drink a lot of bottled water in the U.S. It's the second most consumed beverage in the world. And they substitute it for all other beverages. They think they're being you know, more healthy by drinking bottled water. They have concerns over tap water. But as I said, many bottled water sources are actually coming from tap water. One of the things you do have to worry about in bottled water are things like phthalates or bisphenol A. Now, phthalates have been around since the 1920s. They've been produced since the late 1800s, but in commercial use from the 1920s. And these are uh, benzene dicarboxylic acids. And they're used in a lot of plastics, anywhere from 10 to 60% by weight. They're used as binders, coatings, fragrances, pigments. And there has been a lot of concern about health effects for, for phthalates, reproductive disorders, diabetes, endocrine disrupting disorders all due to its widespread use. And there have been multiple responses by the US and governments around the world to ban these phthalates in things that children are exposed to, usually toys or drinking bottles and things like that. So there have been some bans on phthalates, but you find phthalates in a lot of consumer products, beverage bottles, medical tubing, cosmetics, perfumes, sunscreens, plastic films, air fresheners, vinyl flooring, and of course, water bottle and bottled beverages. Another compound that we should worry about is bisphenol A. And there is about four a million metric tons per year being produced. And it was first reported in 1891, and it is used in polymers, toys, medical devices, coatings, epoxy resins. Uh, bisphenol A is used a lot in water bottles and squeeze bottles, so things like that. And again, we worry about uh, it being an endocrine disruptor because it, the structure of the phthalates and the structure of the bisphenol A is almost lock and key with the endo, uh, endocrine disrupt, uh, excuse me, the endocrine receptors in the body. So instead of having the proper hormones being received by the endocrine uh, uh, receptors, then it's being uh, basically fooled to take these phthalates and the, and the bisphenol A as the key to that lock. And for regulations, the EPA guidelines were 50 micrograms per kilogram of body weight a day, but they even believe that less than 0.025 micrograms per kilogram of body weight per day can have adverse effects. So that's really a small amount. And you find bisphenol A everywhere, um, dental filling material, toys, cash register receipts. If you ever take a cash register receipt and it feels a little powdery, it's because it's coated with bisphenol A. That will actually react with the inks and it will produce that kind of impression of that receipt when, that it's printed on. So you can get a huge amount of bisphenol A from handling cash register receipts, um, plastic water pipes. And then you can find uh, bisphenol A in in bottled drinks. You can find it in uh, wine and beer because a lot of uh, vats that used to ferment wine and beer are lined with this bisphenol A. And you can find it on currency too. You can find bisphenol A on the, especially the polymer currency like in, in Canada and around the world that have switched to polymer currency. 
So at Specs, we did a couple of different studies. We looked at tap water, we looked at laboratory water, we looked at different types of bottled water, and we looked at sports bottles. So first we looked at the laboratory water and we were looking at all different sources. Now, there are many types of bottled water in the laboratory. You have, um, you know, distilled water, you have tap water, you have maybe a distillation source. If your laboratory has a distillation system or a purification system, maybe you have taps set up for that. Some of you use carboys where you put the water into a carboy to bring it to certain areas of your lab. Some will use bottled water like an HPLC grade or an LCMS grade. And what we found when it came to, to phthalates is that, guess what? municipal tap water actually wasn't wasn't bad at all it was some of the lowest concentrations that we found and the highest concentrations we found were when we we had um, bottled water like our hplc grade or lcms grade because a lot of caps to bottles have a dehp a phthalate or bisphenol a liner or coder on the cap so there was some contamination from those coating of those caps but we did overall find that municipal tap water did a very good job when it came to uh, being aware of phthalates and bisphenol A. When we looked at consumer water sources, we looked at mostly um, like water bottles you get in an office, uh, things like that. So we looked at these point of use systems, these water bottles or these water filtration systems, and that we found something interesting. Again, municipal tap water went, uh, won out when it came to the amount of phthalates that we found in water. But we also found that the phthalates that we were, were getting from our point of use systems, whether it be a plumbed system or a system from a water bottle, was that the longer the system sat, the higher the chance of you getting a dose of phthalates in it. So if you went to go and use the drinking water and it had been sitting uh, overnight, that's when we found the most phthalates and the bisphenol A. And when we flushed the system, uh, you know, after several hours or even after several gallons of use, then the, the phthalates were much less. And it's mostly because of the tubing and the connectors and the faucets and the spigots that are in these point of use systems are often plastic and they will leach some of those plasticizers into the water. Finally, we looked at bottled water. And one of the questions we looked at when it came to bottled water was you always, always have always heard about, well, if you have your bottled water in the car, um, don't leave it in the car over the summer. You don't want it to get hot because you'll get sick from the chemicals that leach into the bottle or there's going to be a lot more chemicals in the bottle. So what we did is we took identical water, bottled water samples. We divide them up. We had half at room temperature and half we put in an oven to bake for 24 to 48 hours, kind of simulating that you left the, the Costco or the Sam's Club bottled water in your, in your trunk. Uh, in the middle of June or something or July and you went back the next day to kind of try to rescue it would it still be safe what we found out that overall we were looking at PPB levels of phthalates so there weren't a huge amount of phthalates there was a very 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 slight increase when the water was heated so you'd see slightly more compounds and you'd see slightly uh, different compounds when the water was heated but 
you know, some of the differences were, were minimal. We, in brand, one brand, we found uh, two compounds at room temperature, but then was heated, we found five, but the concentration that we found was negligible, the, the difference in concentration. We found in some cases where we found like six parts per billion of phthalates and bisphenol A in room temperature, we found eight. So there wasn't a huge difference. So even with the heating being left in a, a hot environment for 24 to 48 hours, we really didn't find much difference. So if you're worried about, oh, I left my bottled water out in the car, it might not taste so good, but um, it's not going to harm you when it comes to the phthalates. So as I said, when we looked at all of these uh, different uh, types of, of uh, phthalates that we found. We did find some phthalates uh, increase a little bit more with heat, but overall we did not find uh, a reason not to drink that water. So the question is, should you be drinking bottled water or tap water? Well, we didn't really find a significant amount of phthalates in either one. So if you're worried about phthalates or bisphenol A, either one is fine. We found less than 10 parts per billion. So drink away, whether it's municipal water or bottled water, which is essentially municipal water. But what if you use a sports bottle or a reusable drinking bottle? What about those? We did take a look at various types of drinking bottles. So we have the traditional sports bottle. We have the BP, uh, BPA-free sports bottle. We found one that looked like a little milk jug. We had one that was a squeeze bottle. So we tested all of them. We tested them rinsed, unrinsed, we tested them heated. So we looked at the different scenarios that you could put a sports bottle through. The one thing I will say about all the sports bottles is that you had to wash them out. Some of the higher results we found were from that very first rinse. So we filled up our bottles and we took that rinse and we extracted it and we did find some residual phthalates. And in some cases we found some bisphenol A. That was probably from a manufacturing process. So if you pick up a sports bottle from a trade show or you're on the beach and you say, well, I, I didn't bring my sports bottle with me. Let me go buy one. Do yourself a favor and rinse it out once or twice before you use it. If you can use a little soap and water, that's even better. Just get rid of that manufacturing residue out of it and then you're good to go. What we did find, though, is that heat kind of mattered. So after the, the bottle had been heated and the water had been heated in it, we did find that some phthalates kind of migrated from the bottle into the water. So if possible, don't leave these bottles in the car. Don't leave them heated for a long period of time if possible. But we didn't find anything with repeated uh, washings. Like there have been some saying, well, don't put them in the dishwasher or or anything like that. Now the dishwasher might start to break down the structure of your bottle eventually, but when it came to the phthalates, as long as you rinsed your bottle, the bottle was rinsed, then it was fine. But if you start to see roughening of the surfaces or micro cracks that can expose your, your water to phthalates, then you're going to want to replace that bottle. The best types of bottle were the, the regular sports bottles or the BPA-free sports bottles. And the worst types were those squeeze bottles, the ones that are very soft and you can squeeze it. Those are usually because they're made out of plastic that uses a lot of phthalates and uses bisphenol A in, in, in some cases. Whereas some of the other plastics, like the polycarbonate plastics, they had uh, some less of those different types of phthalates and less of the bisphenol A. So you want to really look to, to see what type of plastic it is if you can. And you want to be careful when you're first using it to wash it 
carefully or rinse it out several times to get manufacturing residue away. And then I wouldn't leave these particular bottles in a hot car and then go drink that water. I would probably just dump it out, rinse it, and then refill it again. There's also something to be said about leaving a bottle of water in a hot car that you've already been drinking from. You could breed bacteria from your mouth and it's just safer in those cases of any opened water, whether it be bottled or a water bottle, just to, to throw it out and start new again. So should I use a bottle? Should I use a municipal water source like tap water? Should I use bottled water? Again, they all have their purpose. They have, have the different uh, times that you'll be using all of them. Tap water when it comes to phthalates overall is very safe. If you're worried about lead or other dissolved minerals, that's a different story. You need to look to your municipal water reports and, and most communities send out annual reports that tell you what the quality of your water is. Take the time to read them. You will find the information there on how safe your water is. They have to report to you if your water fails and it will be in that report. They might not put it in big red letters and announce it to the entire community, but it will be in that water testing report. And when it comes to phthalate and bisphenol A, any of the choices are good. If you have access to tap water, that's going to be your cheapest option. A reusable water bottle and uh, tap water are going to be your cheapest option. But bottled water, we all are guilty of buying bottled water. We're out. We need a quick water. We buy a bottled water. That was fine as well. So overall, these water sources, you need to consider where they're coming from. You need to consider what is the what is the thing you're most worried about. Is it phthalates? Is it lead? How do I approach understanding these hydration sources? Of course, hydration day. So I just hope we have given you a little bit of insight into the different types of water and the different sources of water and maybe opened your eyes to different hydration facts. Next time, join us for a new podcast and a new topic in chemistry. See you then. Specs Speak Science is presented by Specs Companies. Specs CertiPrep and Specs Sample Prep provide scientists with certified reference materials and sample preparation equipment for a diverse range of analytical techniques. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content, such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more can be found at both specscertiprep.com and specssampleprep.com. Thank you for listening to Specs Speaks Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes. Thank you.